Bradford sets off upfield. He wants a speedster to run onto it. He might be the quickest. Oh, he kicks. He kicks ahead. And now Corey Oates will come. Oh, Oates with the one-handed pickup. How about that? Asako in behind them. He's confused. He didn't know whether to kick or whether to run. He takes the ladder option. Jermaine Asako will score. season review slash mental health breakdown episode of Broncos Weekly. As always, I'm Mitch and I'm doing that along by our good friend Simo. How are you doing, Simo? Mate, I'm overjoyed at the thought of not having to do this for like five months. <laughs> I do feel like we'll have to end up having to do like off-season emergency podcasts because... Um, yeah, something, because something will happen. News is coming. We know there's news coming, but yeah, it is a relief. We obviously didn't do a review of the Parramatta game. I mean, what was there to be gained there that won't be said in this podcast? <laughs> Nothing. We thought we'd wait a week, wait for some more of the fallout. There's plenty of fallout, and, and we'll see what, what happens from there. But um, in this episode, we thought we're going to go through the questions we'll do, and then we'll see what happens. That's pretty much it. That's our plan. You guys ask us questions. I'll probably cover the review, and that'll be it. No awards this year. No one gets any awards. <laughs> Just Payne Haas gets them all. That's yeah, it. That, that's it. Anyway, mate, how have you been? You've been on the night shift, hey? Yeah, been on night shift last couple of weeks and then again this week. So, um, it's just really not good for the sleep cycle. But apart from that, it's, you know, easier work than kind of through the day. So, that's not too bad. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's, uh, how's the, the sleep cycle, mate? You, with having the bub and have a do- having a dog? <laughs> um, to get to sleep? Well, Estelle, since she's been like four months old or whatever, she's just slept through the night. She's like never woken up in the night since. So, we definitely locked out there with a the baby, because um, a lot, a lot of other people talk to Emily, and their their kids are still waking up in the middle of the night and stuff. And it's like, yeah, well, are you one of those people that got luckily got a baby who like sleeps? Yeah, it still goes to bed at like seven ish, and then just wakes up at like six six thirty the next day. Just that's it. Yeah, mate, that's good. That's you're doing all right then. Yeah, so I think we'll make it one and done. Just, I don't want to risk it now. <laughs> <laughs> You're already on one and done, are you? <laughs> uh, we'll see, we'll see. But yeah, how about yourself? You've been busy too? Yeah, mate. I people people don't know if they do know. It's like end of year, I do reports for each NRL team at work. And like, it's just this two-week period. The first two weeks of it are the night, a nightmare. Like, when every team gets knocked out, the report's due like, you know, two weeks after they get knocked out. So, obviously, eight teams get knocked out one day. I all of a sudden have, you know, eight uh, eight due in two weeks and about 150-odd pages, and yeah. So I've been doing, like, myself. I'm never going to be someone whinging about working in sport. I'm not an idiot like that. No one has sympathy for me. But I'm in that cycle. Of, like, I'm, I'm out of it now, but last week I was in that cycle of, like, get up at 5.30 to 6, go to work, stay to work to 7 to 8 o'clock at night, come home, shower, go to bed, do the same. And it's we just call that, that cycle. Yeah. I was going to say, we call that doing a sea bold. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, just working so hard, just working so hard. <laughs> but yeah, um, it's one of those things, it's just like, there's two weeks, it's like, 
I may as well have just had a bed at the office. <laughs> like, had a shower there, had a bed there, because all I was doing was get working until I travelled home, showered, slept, and went back. And yeah, it was fun. And obviously, I, I procrastinated a lot during it too, as well. Like, I'm in front of the computer more than a human should be. No one should be sitting in front of the screen for like 16 hours or whatever, 14 hours a day. Ugh. Kill you me. need to just like enroll like for the, all the bottom eight teams. Just enroll some fans on Twitter and like yeah, just here's your chance to say what you want to the club. Yeah. Well, that's um, that's the toughest part, mate. Like like a lot of a lot of teams do use them, but you just know teams that get like you know, for example, the Titans now. There's nothing to be gained for Adam O'Brien to review their part previous season. You just burn it. Yeah, like he's going to come in and he's going to already have his own ideas of what to do. Like yeah. They won four games. There's nothing that's going to come out of those numbers for you that's going to, like, yep, figure it out, boys. This will get us from four wins to five wins next year. We'll build on this, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, oh, well, but I'm, I'm through that period now, so I'm back, I'm back to normal life, which is which is great. Oh, that's anyway, good let's get on to this. Let's, yeah, so we're, as we said, we're going to do the questions because generally you guys tend to ask what we want to talk about anyway, so we thought we'd just answer the questions and if there's things that we want to bring up, we will. But yeah, obviously the aim is a bit of a post-season wrap, a bit of talk about what happened in the last week, which has been ridiculous. I mean, we've been in the news before, but mate, we have not been in the news as much as this <laughs> ever, have we? It, it's crazy, yeah. Just every, every story was Broncos-related, and then like there was like Tuesday, three Madison-related ones. It was like every eight minutes on Tuesday, there was a new article. <laughs> it was like, what's going on? From every different outlet, there was a new article the entire day, every fucking 10, 15 minutes. It was insane, but... um. But that's it. The Broncos don't do well, and the league loves it in general. Everyone's loving it, so it's called everywhere. But anyway, let's just get straight into those questions. Simo, why not? Rightio. Um, over on... So we'll start on Facebook from Scott. He said, Thoughts about clubs' loyalty to players. Heard Alex Glenn would be offered a contract for less money for loyalty. Oh, our club has a, a massive loyalty problem, hey? Like, it's... Loyalty is good at some points, but I think we have a problem. Like, it, it's actually been a lot of... Paul White's tenure, if you exclude the Wayne Bennett years, when Wayne, I know Wayne didn't punt Boyd or whatever at the end, but Wayne did push out like Corey Parker, Hodges, Thiday, those guys early. If you guys remember back to the early parts of the Paul White tenure, he came in in 2010, but his first few years, he was just bringing back the old boys. Like He brought back Scott Petro. Prince. Yeah, brought back Scott Prince, brought back David Stagg, brought back Dane Carlaw. Like, not exactly guys people were screaming out to bring back to the club. <laughs> Brought those guys back. And then the last few years, as we all know, like, they've just given all these long deals to these senior players at the back end of their career that no one was competing us. We've whinged about it before, but, yeah, it's like... I think that drubbing, that 58 nil drubbing, kind of um, ruined loyalty, I think. <laughs> I think there was all this loyalty to all these players... We got a record loss, so a biggest of a margin in a game, and a, the all-time NRL record loss in a final. Everyone knows that by now, but I think that uh, kind of killed the loyalty because the report this week is that the entire leadership group got kicked out, which is um, Jack Bird, Darius Boyd, Matt Gillett, Andrew McCulloch, and Alex Glenn. So basically, Glenn's still still there. Basically, all the people we want to leave the club was the exactly. leadership group. Exactly, and I mean. You know, Alex Glenn, we did, was reports a few weeks ago that he had a two-year, a really small two-year offer tabled to him. I don't know if that offer's still there. I'm guessing after this week. I don't think you exactly punt a guy whose <laughs> best asset to the club is leadership. I don't know if you punt him from the leadership group and then still give him two years. Yeah, I mean, if you're whole running and getting tackled one-on-one by yeah. the halves, you know, like, you probably... Leadership's about all he really had. 
Yeah, and he had a bit of like a. It wasn't a farewell, but he had a bit of a. He had a po put a post on Instagram. Like, God, I hate being that guy who overread players' Instagram. <laughs> but he put a post on Instagram a couple of days ago, and it looked like a farewell. Hey, you saw that post, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. It it's was like very him. like, yeah. Yeah, it's like him and his hands in the air, one of his last Broncos home games, and then, you know, thanking everybody, and no, none of this, like, you know, going, I've got a beautiful family, thanks for being great fans, whatever, whatever, but none of this, like, see you next year or anything, none of that kind of stuff written in his post. Yeah, I mean, I guess you just got to wait and see, really, but it's interesting. Yeah, but, like, it's one of those things, loyalty is, like, it's earned, and... You don't, like, it's just, we've said it so many times, you don't look at the Roosters and Storm, like, the Roosters even just now, like, Mitch Orbison is the, one of their, you know, club legends, you know, be it, if you rate him or not, fine, club legend. And same thing with Cam Smith down at, at the Storm. And, oh, you know, Cam Smith's probably the greatest player of all time. And they didn't extend him until after the grand final last year. They waited, you know, and, and they waited and they gave him two years. And then other guys, like, Mitch Orbison, like, gets, a, like, a one-year deal, like, every year. You know, he got a one-year deal again, like, what is it, just over a month ago now to play next year. But that's it. It's like nobody's competing for these, like, loyal players. There was no one else, like, chasing Mitchell Bisson. They know they're not, they're not getting him. And maybe Theroux said you can go, someone else would sign him. But it's the same thing, like, when we were giving long deals to, like, McCulloch, Boyd, Gillett, different when he first got it, but for one of his neck injury, and Glenn, no other club was like, hey, you know, I've got five years for you here, Macca. You better put the burners on the Broncos because if they don't give you four, we've got five years for you. Like, yeah, no, it's yeah. So how it works. You just know again. You just know those guys aren't going anywhere, and for some reason they've been, they've been able to figure it out with Corey Oates that every year they keep giving him a shit deal and he hasn't left, but they can't figure it out with the older guys. <laughs> yeah. uh, righto. Uh... From Andrew, he said, for, so Boyd to centre. Let's hope whoever is 5'8 has a good cutout pass for an Oates finish. Oh, my God. Isn't this, like, it is just classic what the Broncos of 2019 are, hey, Simo. Like, three days oh, ago, his... the reports are that he's never playing for us again. He's been told like, he's last, like, lost the right to wear the Broncos jersey. Captains, he's gone. Whatever, that's the first report. And then the report yesterday is, actually, no. <laughs> he's been told he's playing left centre. <laughs> Nothing can just be simple, can it? No. You just, we have to just complicate everything. No. It's just like, you look around all the good clubs in the league, even just last night, like it's a semi-final and Will Chambers got benched. And whatever you think of Will Chambers, Craig Bellamy spoke about it publicly. It's like, mate, he's been coaching Will for 12 years. They're great mates. And he benched him last night for the benefit of the, te for, of the team. Meanwhile, we're still like, after the season Boyd had, after all the scrutiny, after people thinking he punted him, it's still actually, no... You're our left centre. We're letting Bird go because you're our centre. <laughs> you just got to like... <sighs> yeah, I don't know. You just... It's crazy. You just got to hope that lots... like there's, They're going their break now. They've got eight weeks off, I think the players do. You just have to think a lot's going to change over the next eight to 12 weeks for Brisbane. Yeah, you just... You hope so. Like, surely he's not going to play that 15 games. Like, yeah. I don't know. So if he gets to 14, someone take him out with a trolley down at Wally's or something. Like, oh, I know. Hearing that clause, that everyone probably knows by now, but if you didn't hear it, the, the word is that for the last year of Boyd's contract to be activated, it's 15 games he has to play. And he's only, only on 600 or something this year. 
is what Brent Reid reported. The, it's 15 games, and it's like all of a sudden it goes from, oh, we thought we had a $1.5 million hole for two years to we have a 600 k hole for one year if we don't play him. That's not that bad. No, just do like the Tigers. Just dump him in reserve grade. And don't worry about him. He's done. I know. But then it's still that they're trying to find a way to get the best out of him. No. Like, hey, go, it, it, look, it's not going to happen, but say there's 1% chance he goes to reserve grade and kills it for like 10 games. Okay, you can come back. But that's not going to happen. <laughs> Just... Yeah, whatever. Yeah, nah. Cool, moving on. And the and thing Cameron, is, what, by, the, by the way, I, even if we can't get that money back off the cap, because you know if he just retires, you can't get that 600k back. I'd rather he retire because even if he, cause if he's just sitting in reserve grade, right, there's the whole the salary cap rules as we know before June 30. If like two other players, say if Milford got injured at 5'8", and SOS is already doing done his knee in, we could be forced to play him because he could be seen as a 5'8", and you can't play, you know, and if you can't play a development player, if you don't play, if you, sorry, if there's a guy who's on the, the top 30 who can play 5'8", we could yeah. be forced to play him. So who decides, like, obviously it's hard now to argue the opposite because play, we played him for 5'8 exactly. for half a year. You can't say he's not one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could imagine like, the Broncos show up to, like, NRL HQ and you're like, we're submitting evidence to show that he's not a 5'8". It's like <laughs> rounds 15 to 24. <laughs> we tried it. We tried it. We're not doing it again. Uh, <sighs> yeah, terrible. Okay, right up from Cameron. He said, um, F1, marry one, kill one, Haas for feeder and TBJ. Oh, don't do that to me. Can we not attack the good players? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know who I'd want to kill. I like all of those three. So That's I. about it in the team, though. I have a long-term relationship with Tavita Pangai, but he's probably the kill. And That's That's tough. That's harsh on my boy. You know? He's he's the fling for me. He seems the most adventurous. Yeah. Maybe I killed David Fafita <laughs> and I married Payne Haas. Consistent man. <laughs> Consistent, stable. TVJs, yeah. you just, you know, exactly. he's fun and outrageous. You come, you come after work and you know Payne Haas has cooked dinner again. <laughs> you just know he's done it. <laughs> you can trust him. Uh, from Sean, he said, fellas, who are we going to buy and how does this preseason play out? So... Again, if you haven't heard, they've told Bird's looking for a club back in Sydney. And his manager was talking like they... He's not desperate to leave the Broncos, but they want to test interest. And they've been flooded with interest, is the report. And as we all know, Jack Bird's one of those players that... I don't know why, but he has this huge reputation. And they've always been con- confident we could get out of that contract for some reason. But, but yeah, he's been talking to Sydney clubs. They're interested, so it looks like we might be getting 800k back from that. Um, and there's rumours of that... Oh, excuse me, I got the burp. One second. I muted myself. <laughs> I'm a good boy. Um, there is rumours that we're going to talk to Val Holmes, which is something I've peddled on here a few times. But yeah, I have no clue who we're going to sign. Hey, we've been linked to like 15 halves in the last week. It's been literally like everyone except Cooper Cronk. Yeah, or Ben Hunt's return or DCE. They'll come, though. We'll get linked to those two. There's no doubt. Yeah, I mean... I'd take DCE. <laughs> no, you probably wouldn't, but no, I would. <laughs> uh, hey, I hate him, but I'd take him. That's for damn sure. Like, 
I like winning more than I hate people. <laughs> like, I mean, if the game comes down to the end and it's like, you know, you need him to kick a field goal with 40 seconds to go and he's worried about kicking it dead, bring Asako in, kick a field goal from him. Like, yeah. Um, right, from Thomas, he said, thoughts on the Matt Lodge captaincy rumours? <sighs> That's another thing. We've spoken about for a long time that there's a massive leadership void at Brisbane. And it has been for a long time. We haven't got a standout candidate. And it was even when Boyd got the captaincy, it was like, well, who else? You know, that's what we thought. And it's been probably since, like, Lockyer. Other than Hodges as the captain, I haven't liked any of our captains as, as captains. But Lodge does look like the logical choice for the playing group. That doesn't mean it's a logical choice for the club. So the players want Lodge. But there's always, like, the players aren't thinking about, hey, he's got to sit in front of the media you know, five times a week and all that kind of crap. So, um, I, I don't know. Like, he's probably the... I, I, I like Pangai for the captaincy because he's a leader. He might be erratic on the field. He's also pretty good talking pub in the media. But, I, you know, I don't know. I, I actually can live with Lodge. Obviously, he's had a gross pass. But what's the difference to him being on the field for us or him being the captain? He's, on, he's at the club. Yeah. I mean, can you remember this going back a bit? Um... I think it was when Wayne Bennett first came back and he kicked Sam Thide out of being captain. Yeah. And he talked heaps about what it meant to actually be like a Broncos captain. Um, and he was saying, like, you know, all the people that he had. And so then he picked Hodges. And it was like, like you just mentioned, you haven't been super happy with really any of them. And you just think of, like, the captains Hodges we've had in the past. And then, like, now you have, like, lately we've had, like, Thide and Boyd and some of these other people. And it's just, like you said, there's not really a whole heap of leaders at the club. So it's... It's kind of hard. I mean, like, you don't want to probably go out and buy a player just to be your captain. But if you did get somebody that was a good leader, I would, you just I wouldn't mind making them captain just straight up. Oh yeah, I'd, I'd love that too. By the way, I just don't know if we'll get that type of player. But like, as you said, the the captains in the past, like in like until Friday, the captains list is pretty good. You know, Wally Lewis obviously being the first club captain, and then Gene Miles was giving it after him. Went to Alfie Langer, another great captain. Uh, Kevy Walters, again, fantastic captain. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, at the time, anyway, not a huge Kevy fan now. Uh, Gordy Tallis, Darren Lockyer. Like, this is great. Yeah, this is fantastic. <laughs> and yeah. then you go, oh, Sam Thiday, uh Corey Parker, Justin Hodges. <laughs> yeah, it's it's beautiful. And Thiday um, is like, if Gillett got it now, by the way, it'd be my exact same feeling like when Thiday got it. And thank God it looks like Gillett's not going to get it. It's just like, oh, you just gave it to a guy because he's been there for a while. <laughs> yeah. I think one, I saw somebody say this was similar to like the um, South African cricket team for a while. And they didn't really have, I guess, much of a leader at a decent age like that. So they gave it to, um, is it Graham Smith? Yeah. He yeah, re- yeah, he got it very young, and he was actually a leader. And so, and it was a similar thing where like he was he was probably the best leader at the club, but yeah, he was really young, and it was just like it doesn't matter. Like you're the leader, like gave him the captaincy, and I mean, people if you gave it to like say Haas, people are gonna have some to say about that. But in the end, like I think he probably also is one of the best leaders at the club, even at his age. Mm. Um, he's captain, you know, all like the rep sides and everything like that. Um. Fafita too is also a bit like that. I think Haas would probably be a better leader, but Fafita's captain rep teams and whatnot too. 
Yeah, and, and honestly, I wouldn't be against the club. Like, we, that's the problem. We haven't even got that guy either, but I wouldn't be against him doing the, the club captain and the, you know, the, on, the game day captain. I wouldn't be against that kind of thing. If they don't want Lodge having to deal with the press and whatever. But the problem is we haven't even got that other guy who's, like, good with the media. <laughs> like, <laughs> Because, you know, uh, like, like Parramatta have done that in the past when Tim Manor lost the captaincy, but he still stayed the club captain. So he still had to attend all the functions and whatever, and that was fine. But, like, we haven't got that guy. And, like, I'm, like, Im- immediately when they talked about Boyd getting replaced as captain, the first immediate word was because it was Matt Gillett by default. And thank God that the club, like, apparently his season review got told he's on notice as well and he ain't in the captaincy run. And he got punted from the leadership group. Thank God, because he's never been a leader's asshole in my, in my time. I mean... People know this from this podcast. We went through a tough period there, and we were the two Broncos fans that didn't like Matt Gillett when he was killing it like three years ago. <laughs> but for one of the players we've stuck to, we came around on McCulloch under Wayne. We came around on Boyd or whatever. We've stuck to since the start we don't like Matt Gillett as a Broncos player. And thank God he doesn't look like he's going to be the captain. Yeah, I couldn't think of much worse than that. Yeah, I mean... I mean, at the, well, that, our last report was like Boyd might say the captain now too. I just think there's a long lot of pl- to play out from here to next season. But I'm with you though. I'm not against like. I have no idea who's available. Obviously, contracts mean something, but they don't mean everything. Like, I don't know. I pull play out of my ass. I would love to sign someone like Dal Finucane, right? I'd love to have a lock who controlled the ruck, was a leader of the forward pack. You know, in terms of not just guy leading by example, but leading by his words, talking to the referee, directing him around. I'd love a guy like that. I'd give him captaincy the day he walked into the club, for example, a guy like him. Yeah, I wouldn't be against that at all. Yeah, but that's it. We're looking for a halfback, and it's like, well, if we sign Chad Townsend, we're not actually thinking, I'm not exactly going, oh, yeah, mate, give it to the Chad. There's our new club captain. <laughs> uh, radio uh, from Ed. He says, bird leaving. Is that good, bad, or just part of business? God, isn't this a tough one? Like... I mean, from the day dot, I tried to come around. You couldn't be convinced that it, we could we could like Bird. You couldn't even for Wayne. You couldn't you couldn't get you to come around on the signing. You were just nut heels on the ground, and it was probably the right call from you. But yeah, he um he had he was good the start of this year. That's why it's a bit like I, I want him to go because of the money. But I don't have any bitter feelings. It's not like I'm like saying get get out of my club kind of thing. Because he actually when he plays, he slogged his guts out this year. Hey. Yeah, I mean, there's someone that could probably be the captain if he could stay on the field. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's just like, that's it. From the day he signed that deal, it always felt like he's never seen the end of this contract, hey? Yeah, it did. It just felt odd. I think part of that is just there wasn't like we had a huge hole at left centre and it was like we we're signing him to play left centre. Like, it just seemed like on top of the 17, we'd fit him in some way when he was fit. And then there was rumours like, I'm able to play him at lock, and it's like, no, we have no, we had just Maguire at that time, and then we had Pangai coming still too. It's like we're not playing him at lock, and then they played him at, like in the halves a little bit, and then he got injured. It's like they just haven't got a spot, and already people were talking for this off season like if he stayed around, I'll maybe he'd play fullback, and it's like, mate, he's too fat to play fullback. It just that's it. His his Broncos career is like, oh, maybe he'll play here or there. Yeah, and that's it. Like he's just like a fat crag wing, just yeah. bit of a utility. Exactly, and it's like, I don't have any bitter feelings towards him because he did slog his guts out when he was playing. And he's pretty funny this week too, by the way, the interview when he's like, no one was talking to the media. You've seen this, haven't you? And he drives into Broncos training and he winds his window down and starts talking to the cameras. And he's just like, saying, oh, it ain't me, mate. Like when he goes into the, he's got, he's not in trouble. <laughs> he's like, I ain't <laughs> Asking how, how his performance review is going to go. He's like, oh, it ain't me, mate. Laughs and drives off. It's like... <laughs> 
that was I mean, a good one. That's a baller move. <laughs> he's got to be like the safest person in that club, apart from Seabold. Like, yeah, he's like, hey, oh, he's like, I've played well when I played. I'm getting paid well. Like, <laughs> it ain't me. I ain't in trouble in here. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it, if you can get the 800k off the books, as we all know, for a centre is ridiculous. He's not the he's not 800k centre anyway. Get that off the books. Um, you know, we can play Parisi. You know, we can maybe play Tessie Nui. We can play Darius Boyd. Yeah, we've got Stags. But yeah, that's it. Play and then spend that money smartly, reallocate it to a fullback or a, or a or a halfback. Like that's exactly what we wanted when we signed him. When it made no sense, when we should have got a halfback. They should just go out and buy a Tedesco. Just, I'd love just to, do well, it. If people haven't seen it, there's a Fletch and Heine interview like three years ago in Origin Camp, and it's before Bird had signed with us. And it was an interview with uh, Wade Graham, uh, Wade Graham, Jack Bird, and Tedesco. And they all get asked by Fletch and Hindy, like, if you had to play for another club in the NRL, who would you want to play for? And I forget Wade Graham's answer. Uh, Tede- uh, Jack Bird answered the Roosters. But Tedesco answered the Broncos. You bastard. It- get up there. <laughs> it's just a classic miscommunication here, then. It is. Like, Bird, they supposed they to have Bird. Bird. Yeah. <laughs> It's just, it's just a mistake. That's I'm it. sure this can be rectified quite easily. Yeah, I am, I am kind of scared though. This is getting talking about Paul White's tenure, and I'm kind of scared of us trying to sign our way out of this. Because like, every pretty much every signing when Wayne wasn't here that we overpaid for was terrible. On White then, because his contract's up in like a month and a half or whatever. I think he's gone, eh? Yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely be keen for that. And, like, you know, if someone else is in, I doubt they could do much of a worse job than him. No, I, I do love how he always gets talked up like a great CEO, and it's like, mate, it's the easiest club to be the CEO of in the NRL. You could, like, not turn it to work for a year and it'd still make, turn money, make a profit, and go okay. <laughs> like, it's the easiest thing. But, like, Broncos CEOs and leadership of the past, as we know, like, I don't know if people have forgotten or something, but for, like, the first 10, 15 years of our existence... We were at the forefront of professionalism for all of Australian sport. Like, I'm not talking about, you know, just the biggest club, but, like, we were the team that, like, dragged professional sport in Australia out of the 60s into the modern game. We forced... People will love or hate the Super League or not. We forced everyone to catch up with us. When we won our first two premierships, people down south were so scared of the Broncos, they thought we were going to be, like, the 60s Dragons. And there was talk... Like, you can go back and find old articles and archives, like, predicting the Broncos win 15 of the next 20 premierships. Like, this is a club that was well on the forefront. And, we ain't, and mate, Paul White ain't anywhere, anywhere fucking near the forefront. <laughs> so he ain't no. some amazing CEO. So he's better than some other scrub club CEOs. Does it mean he's some amazing CEO? We have a much better history and richer history of leadership than what, what we have currently. Yeah, I'd take a lot of people over him. But yeah, I'm afraid of like, as I was saying, the big deals. Like, okay, Izzy Folau was good for us, but we signed him and got two years. Other things that we had, that Joel Clinton contract replaced Petro, Martin Kennedy, 500k, paid Ben Barber, brought back Scott Prince. Like, those are the things that I'm scared of. I'm scared of us, like, just paying someone and thinking, oh, yeah, like like the Barber thing. We're pretty average. You fix it. Yeah, it was like, oh, he won, the, he won the Dally M. Let's just sign that guy. He's got to be a good player. Like, you know. That's it. And they just put him at 5'8". <laughs> that was great. Um... Radio uh, from Tim. Can we have a new fullback, five eight, halfback, and winger, please? <sighs> okay. Well, I, I do want Val Holmes. I mentioned that a few times. That is the that is like the one signing I'll pay up for, because um, 
not that I think he's an amazing fullback, but I think he's the kind of fullback we need. Like, he'll push, he supports through the middle. We have a lot of guys he can offload. And also, he's just that that enthusiasm when he carries the ball back. And I think we need that. We Starting our sets, we need to give Oates some help in that regard. And I like that from him. I'd pay for him. But I don't want to go, like, I'm so afraid of us, like, for some reason deciding Chad Townsend's worth a lot of money. It's scaring me. I mean, we we've talked about this. I I think if you had say you got Holmes, yeah, you play Milford at five eight, Turpin yeah. and Seguiaro in the nine. Yeah. I think Chad Townsend like completing that spine is just such a huge step up from what we've had. I wouldn't mind it. <laughs> like, I know you're not either. his biggest fan, but well, af- I think I, that spine would go okay. I'm afraid of paying him like seven hundred k plus. That's what I'm afraid of. Yeah, well, I don't think anybody wants to pay him that much. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I'm like, I want to pay, like, get like an Aiden Caesar. Look, if we got the chat on like 400, cheer, I'll, I'll take it. He said, it's all exciting, but like, we're not really looking to find it, find exciting halfback. Like, our, our future halfback is Tom Dearden, but it's just looking to find someone who can just, you know, hold the ship for a couple of years. <laughs> that's it, but, um,. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about the chat on big money, but yeah, we've been linked to so many things. The only one I'm really afraid of is Brody Croft, and you nailed this last year. We've both nailed this before, but like Broncos fans wanted Riley Jacks last year, but if Craig Bellamy decides that you're, if you're offered a minimum contract and you're still not worth signing, there's something wrong. If the Storm don't want you, if you can't play well with this current Storm team, he's been given like two and a half years to prove it in Brody Croft. You somehow think he's going to come to Brisbane and just take what take the league over? <laughs> Just just take that next step and just turn into like, yeah, it's not going to happen. Not for him. Yeah. not It's a guy who like has the easiest halfback job in the league. Smith sees a team around, do the easiest job ever, and he still sucks there. Then given such a big chance, you think he's going to come to Brisbane and like turn into this like controlling, steering half and just kill it? No. I mean, if you can't do it with Cameron Smith telling you what to do, you're not going to do it. Exactly right. Uh, from Dale, he said, who do you blame for the Boyd, Macca, and Gillette contracts? Does it really matter? Like, the Boyd one, people are trying to blame Wayne is funny because it's on record. Anyone involved in that contract will tell you that Wayne had nothing to do with it because he couldn't be impartial on that deal. It's like all the people involved in that contract. Is, go just Google Darius Boyd contract. You'll find articles, quotes with Wayne, quotes from Lockyer and everything saying Wayne had nothing to do with it. But people still want to blame you for it. And it is, obviously, Wayne did bring him back to the club, fair enough. Gillett was re-signed last year. They were trying to punt Wayne. So, again, it's not Wayne. <laughs> and the recruitment and attention committee of that thing. And the word out of the, out of the board meeting with Seabold yesterday, which could be the wrong word currently, is that they're giving Seabold control now. So it is quite obvious that the recruitment and retention committee at Brisbane, whoever that be, I think it's Paul White, Darren Lockyer, and Peter Nolan have had a lot of a say over the last couple of years. And I think they're the ones to blame. And, you know, you can, if you want to blame Wayne, go ahead. But, like, if you want to go through the history of bad contracts at Brisbane in the last 10 years, the only constant person is the CEO who's been overstepping the line of the football the entire time. He's the only constant. None of the board's constant either. That's what I find hilarious, too, is with him, like, overstepping and wanting to, like, run the football side of everything. Is like... Yeah. Like, when Gus does it and everyone has a laugh at him for it, like, at least he's had a history of, like, being a successful coach and he's done origin and, like, he's done things in football. Whereas, like, I don't really get what Paul White's done to make himself think that he can, like, just run this. 
So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And then the other one as well is, like, I love Darren Lockyer. He's my favourite player of my lifetime. But the fact he is, like, in our recruitment and retention committee and on the board, like, you know, six years after he's played, wherever he jumped on those committees, is absolutely ridiculous. Like, what the fuck would he know about recruitment and retention? Yeah, he's, he's... He played football. He didn't, like, study this stuff or, like, you know... He, he didn't work his way up through ranks. Like he just was good at football. Yeah, and you and you you love him at the club, but you want him like working on the you know on the training paddock and with the coaching staff, not like doing recruitment and retention. And he's the same guy. Like if, if you, some of these public comments are terrible. Like when he's talking about oh when we lost Ben Hunt, it got the, it got him by surprise after they let Ash Taylor go, and then like even the last week, like he's bashing the the senior players and saying like there's a lack of leadership there. And it's like mate, like. Whose fault is that? I know, if you're part of the guy who's recruiting, like, you know leadership's one of the things that's like, you know, you've got to recruit it. <laughs> that's part of it. It's, yeah, it just feels like they've just hoped it was going to come along. Yeah, that's it. So, and that, you know, I, I love Darren, but just former player jumping in that role that soon, just not smart. Like, if, you, if you're going to earn that role, fair enough. But, like, there's former players all around the league that are, like, working their way, th- working their way through the systems, you know, being actual talent scouts for teams or, they're you know, they're working in the way in the Harold Matthews, SG Ball, whatever, working up and actually understanding the youth system and, you know, what identifies good young talent. But we just threw Darren in there because he's Darren Lockyer. And that's such, it's such not a Brisbane move. The, the Broncos in the 90s would never have done that. And the Broncos now, what they did is like, it's a Newcastle Knights move, that is. Yeah, it just, like, I've said this before about Paul White, and it just seems like if you're mates with him, you're, you're likely to get jobs. Yeah. Like, the three coaches he hired were all his mates. mates, and, like, one just happened to be Wayne Bennett, and so that worked out. Like, it it just seems, yeah, the best way to get a job is to, like, have played football with him in some reserve grade somewhere back in the 80s. Yeah, that's it. And it does look like he might fall on his sword this um this off-season. But I, I'm also loving that the boy, board is, like, putting their hands in the air, like, how could this have happened? Who who responsible for what happened this year? <laughs> who did this? Like, you uh, all did this to yourselves. This is uh, your team. <laughs> um... Uh, right, from Matt, he said, is it just me or have the media absolutely blown the whole pokies thing out of proportion? <laughs> <laughs> I know you guys have probably discussed this already on the podcast, but to me, the media have taken this to the next level. Apparently, they were just next to their hotel playing a few games, not too late, no alcohol involved. All of them were present at the team breakfast at seven the next morning. Gotta love the media making it out to be the worst thing in the world. Uh, that one, that, that one's funny because like, there's two lines of thinking here for me. The first line is... Every other club does this. Every other club does this. But the second line is, it doesn't mean it's a good thing to do. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm telling you right now, the Storm boys are not out playing, doing anything like that in a group of eight the night before a big game. I'm telling you that right now. Like, I get people say, yeah, like you said, both sides of the argument is like, you know, they're not hurting, they're not drinking out they'd be like up watching a movie or doing something like you know so they're not really doing it much different yeah but yeah on the other hand like especially in finals like maybe just chill for a week or two like and especially when you you you, everyone knows you're just gonna show up the next day and get pumped so if you think well they mightn't think they were gonna lose everyone else did but you just it's not you know it's not gonna be a good look if you lose and you that comes out but 
Yeah, it's not really like of all of the things to happen out there, it's it's not that major, really. No, it's not a it's not an off field crisis at all. Okay, it's not that stuff like bad behavior, any of that kind of. Stuff. It's none of that. But it's just like, and I hate agreeing with Gus, but what Gus said about this is like, you know, they they treat it like any other game, and it's like, that's it. It's not any other game, and you know, maybe and Gus was like the biggest thing. He didn't give, give a shit though on the pokies. Didn't give a shit where they were, but he, his issue was like he was eight of them. And they were in like splinter groups, and it's like, yeah, that's exactly it, right? It's like the night before the biggest game of the year. There wasn't the commute. There was. That's not a team, you know. <laughs> like that, that's not a team hanging out bonding before a game. That is like eight mates going one way. Another group went and got ice creams or whatever. They all split off, and it's like, well, that's not a team. And that's shows on the field on on the day after when like any time we can see points, they stand around and look at the scoreboard and look at each other. They're not. A, they're not a good team unit. And obviously, they're making some changes to address that. It seems this off season, but it's just like so dumb that it, it gets to this point for us to make any change. Yeah, my favourite bit whenever something like this happens is you get like the former players though, and they're like, "Oh, you know, I can't believe they'd be doing this professionalism in the modern game." Blah blah blah. And oh then like God. the next sentence is, you know, "Back in my day, guys, in the '90s, you should have seen what we got up to." <laughs> like, oh my God. You know, that's that always cracks me up is just that double standards. Oh, they're the worst, aren't they, the former players? Like they'll they'll brag about when they want to have a laugh on, on like the Matty Johns show or, or his podcast or something, they'll talk about how pissed they got before, in origin camp and how they got drunk night before a game, they'll all laugh about it and whatever, they'll have a good right laugh and yeah, the boys, the lads having it, getting pissed and playing footy. And but then they find out before a final the current guys were out and like they were like, Oh, we never would have done that nowadays. We took our footy seriously. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't. It's like, what was it? Benji Marshall, the night before the 2005 Grand Final, was at a 21st or a 19th to like 12 a.m., bought Maccas on the way home, called Robbie Farrer and someone else to buy the Maccas, had Maccas, and went out and had a fucking blinder the next day. No one gives a shit. Yeah, because you win, and <laughs> yeah. it comes back to that. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, if someone did that before a grand final now and then they lost, it would definitely come out like yeah. soon after that. But if you win, no one cares. And yeah, so you just... Yeah. You just got to make sure you win. That's it. And like I said, it's actually I actually don't give a shit about it. I just said I would like to have them stay as a group, but I don't give a shit. Whatever they prepare best as is fine. And it's like, it's one of those things like people will judge them. I know pokies, it's a fucking lame hobby, but breaking news. Rugby league players are actually pretty fucking lame off the field. That's just that's just breaking news. They are. Um, but yeah, yeah, so it just means just next time, just all go down and play pokies together, all twenty-one of you. Exactly, line them up, fill the pokey room up, <laughs> <laughs> put some money through that machine. That's it. But uh, yeah, that's just it. But if whatever gets like, you know, it's the same thing when even when maybe you when you played younger, like before grand finals and stuff. Other guys in your team, some people can't sleep the night before, or they have to do something else. They have some dumb rituals. That's fine. That's just how some players prepare. But yeah, I didn't like the splinter cell. I did. Oh, I did laugh by like Rolly Lewis hammered them. And it's like, Wally, you're notoriously the worst trainer and preparer of all time. <laughs> okay, shut your <laughs> mouth. He's <laughs> uh, like, oh yeah, I went to bed at 10.30 before games. He's like, yeah, but you also smoked in the sheds, dickhead. <laughs> like, Just getting a side of lung cancer before yeah, a grand no. final, just no, no biggie. It's like, mate, you got uh, the people, you, you had multiple Australian coaches wanted to drop him because he was such so terrible on tour, eating garbage, smoking, getting pissed. Oh, but he went to bed early the night before the game, so it's fine. Fuck off, Wally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, from Scott he said just sitting here surrounded by my family and not so expensive things with gratitude knowing that it's just a game and it doesn't really matter um, <laughs> wait, what, sorry ask that one again sorry he, he dropped um, oh it wasn't a question 
um, Scott was just saying he was just sitting around his family and things and just knowing that it's all just a, a football game and meaningless in the end. Uh, uh, it's, it, that's always um, reason with it. It's like, you know, when, um, you, what was that one? The, someone lost the Super Bowl and they said that whole thing. We all die in the end anyway. <laughs> so that's what happened. Yeah, oh, who was that? Um, I can't remember. Was uh, it Gronk? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I can't uh, remember. I remember the comment. Nah, but... Andrew Whitworth. Oh, yeah, At yeah. At the end of the day, um... you're all going to die. Yeah. <laughs> uh... What else you say? At the end of the day, you're all going to die. <laughs> There's one thing to know about this earth. We're putting it in to make dirt, and that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's just very existential. Uh, um, right, we had a couple of messages here yeah. from Sean. Um, he said, hey, guys, love the show. Here's a couple of questions for the last uh, session uh, episode assuming Lodge is the next captain which I think will happen is it really a PR disaster like the media are saying surely it's a positive spin there is a positive spin to it uh, the media will do positive spins on anything it is certainly not this PR disaster they're going to say it is people on Twitter are going to blow up but again people on Twitter get mad at everything <laughs> so like what do you mean like, Russell Packer was a captain of a club nobody gave a shit yeah, he went to university though, so uh, it's all true. right. If, okay, lo- what they're gonna do? They're gonna send at Lodge. This take the piss. You know how you can you can do like a one month leadership course course at Harvard. Send yeah, yeah. Lodge there <laughs> this off season. Oh, imagine the memes <laughs> if Lodge went to Harvard too. <laughs> do a leadership course. Send him there. Bring back his degree. And I mean, you could is. probably even take notes from Seabold. He's done he the same thing. So <laughs> definitely could. Uh, what's your realistic pick for next year's seven? Um, realistic. So, I'm of the opinion of, like, I don't want, there's nobody, like, really good available. Like, no, like, you know, they're not just going to let Cherry Evans go, for example. And as much as I like the idea in my head of, like, bring back Ash Taylor for cheap and rebuild him, I don't really have any faith in Seabold doing that. It's, you know, he's not Wayne. There's no Wayne Rehab Clinic anymore. So my realistic hopes are Chad Townsend, but not for a lot of money. So cheap Chad. Aiden Caesar, or if we don't get one of those two, honestly, I'll just run it back with Dearden. I'm not overpaying for some scrub. Yeah, well, Caesar's definitely my first choice. Yeah, he'd, he'd be my favourite. Um, I wouldn't mind Chad Townsend, as I said before. Um, but yeah, I. You don't need someone for long term. You just want a year or two. That's exactly really. It. Like, over the years, again, we've said pretty much every year on this podcast has been, like, an experienced half-move, and me and you were like, why didn't we sign that guy? And that was, like, James Maloney, when he left when he left the Roosters the first time, then when he left the Sharks, were like, why haven't we signed that guy? Same thing when Blake Graham was, like, when the Storm punted in, he was worth free for no money. We're like, why didn't we get that guy? But now this off-season, it's, like, Caesar and Chad Townsend are it, and the other guys have been linked to. So we linked to Brody Croft, like, vomit in my mouth. Sam Williams, who's only good for four weeks at a time. Cody Walker, like, are you kidding? That's just, like, a, a shit Anthony Milford. <laughs> He's a good player, but it's like, that's not answering any of our problems. Blake Austin. I mean, <laughs> come on. Uh, Luke here, we can't afford. Obviously, I'd love that. It's not going to happen. Lachlan Lewis, yeah, not keen either. And then Ash. That's who we've been linked to so far. And Mitch Moses. And we're not signing Moses. That's just people trying to manage to talk him up again. Out of those three, like those ones, the realistic options to me are like Caesar, Townsend, and Ash. Idealist, ideally, as the unrealistic option, is just you just get Cooper Cronk for one year. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 100%. I'm all for that. 
Other one also is like under the nose of the Cowboys stealing Jake Clifford. I'm also here for that. But again, it's yeah, a Yeah, just because just it'd be funny. And also because Paul Green hates young things. <laughs> you might swap him for Matt Gillett. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Gillett's probably a bit too young. You go Boyd. Yeah, <laughs> exactly right. Wait, he's a 5'8 now anyway. Perfect for yeah. me. Uh, speaking of Boyd, he also asks... Um, where does Boyd rank as all-time Bronco? I feel he's not in the top twenty. Oh, I think I don't think anyone would say he's a top twenty Bronco. You wouldn't say that either, would you? No, I probably wouldn't even have him top fifty. Like yeah. most of his good football happened at the Dragons. Like he had a few good years when he came back, but like he was a winger when he was here first time, and then yeah, you know, a couple of good years at fullback, and now this. Like I wouldn't have him anywhere near the top. Yeah, well, I mean, they did do that. Uh, the they had the, they had that 20 anniversary year team the Broncos did, and there's 20 players in that already, and they're all better than Dar- uh, than uh, Darius Boyd for us. Like Boyd did have an amazing year in 20 was it 16? I think it was 2016. Yeah, 2016 and 17. Best fullback in the world kind of thing. Good in 15 for us as well when he came back. Like good 15, 16. It's back in a 17, a couple of hairy games, but like. You know, it's not exactly... He's, only, he's had 180-odd games for us, but the first half of his career was on the wing. I couldn't give a single shit that he left, and he's been shit for the last two seasons. So it's kind of like he's had 60 good games. Yeah, yeah I mean... Nah. Yeah, yeah, he probably had more than that. Exactly. Like if you, So, the you know, the best ever... The Broncos' 20-year uh, tw- team was what? Lockyer, fullback, Hancock, Sailor on the wings, Renoff and Devere in the centres... Lewis Langer halves, Webke, seven receiver front row with Kerrod Walters at nine, Talis Thorne, uh, Tony Carroll the back row, Bench, Berrigan, Andrew G, Gene Miles, Lazarus, Chris Johns, Terry Madison, Kevin Walters. Out of all those players, I'd probably say he's better than Andrew G. But like since you that gotta, time, that team was made twelve years ago. You also <laughs> got to account for Andrew G's like genius work off the field for us. So yeah, he slips exactly. back above Boyd there just. Yeah, but like that was twelve years ago. So since then, we've also obviously had other guys who've emerged and had good Broncos careers. I think Josh McGuire is a better Bronco than Darius Boyd is, for example. Despite you know he's how he left the club, but you know then you also throw in like Sam Thiday in that period too. Obviously, Justin Hodges, obviously, like yeah, he's not a top twenty, top fifty, probably towards the back end of that. I bet you you could even find like argue with have decent arguments for that 40 to 50 like find players to keep him out of that top 50 and I mean again like Alex Glenn is he a better Bronco than than Boyd that they're probably in the same round like level hey for me yeah I mean I would I would prefer Glenn if you can take like Bronco's careers like you know yeah. as I said Boyd's half of his career was spent at the Dragons and Knights you yeah. know I mean there was yeah, Boyd's two years was better than anything Glenn's ever done but Glenn it's, that's not how it works. We're talking about the entire career. You don't, people don't make a team's top 50 players ever for two years when we didn't fucking win anything in those two years. It's not like, Unless you're James Maloney at the Sharks. Yeah, but I'm going to say, they won something. That's the difference. Yeah, yeah. Like, we didn't win anything. But yeah, he's not well, a of those guys. Take Shane Perry above Boyd. <laughs> won something. Well, Boyd was in that game, to be fair. But yeah, Corey Oates, for mine, is a better Bronco than him as well. You know, the K-Man. Kumarko Hunt played less games, obviously. He played 50-odd less games than the Broncos, but he had 120-odd all-quality games as opposed to to uh to Boyd's career so interesting maybe maybe he's like is it so I think Brent Tate's a better player but because Brent Tate only played like 100 games maybe that's the kind of person he's competing with the guys who only played like four to five years yeah which I mean 
similar to what he did, really. Yeah, so that's like around like the 30 to 40 period, maybe, you know, a bit further down. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Righto. Well, over on Twitter then now from Osport Matters. So cheers for all the content this year, lads. It's been a safe space for those feeling per- personally victimised by Darius Boyd. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and look, apologies for this patchiness this year, lads. As you know, both of our schedules have been rough, but we will, we really do want to get back to like doing it proper. So um, hopefully we can, we figured out like weekends, we have to just have to do it pretty much moving forward because of our work schedules, which is what this is right now. So it's going to suck for some... Like, again, Parramatta played on Sunday. Like, Yeah, yeah. we weren't doing it after that. But thanks for the uh, thanks for enjoying the podcast, mate. Uh, James K underscore thirteen twelve. He said, "What a shit show of a season! I don't think I've ever disliked a Broncos team as much as this one. The absolute lack of effort or desire to stick in the fight when it got tough, especially away from home, was really disheartening. Throw in all the weird coaching decisions, and it made for a really unenjoyable year. Cheers, though, to you two lads for the season. Can't have been easier to come on and say the same thing time after time. Yeah." Exactly. Well, so you, you nailed it on the last podcast. If you haven't listened to it, people go back. But Simo went back and, and listed all the bad coaching decisions for Seabold. So if you're after those, they're there last week. But yeah, I think that was the worst thing about the game in the, the final we lost. I mean, the way Parramatta won that game, there was no difference to me between 30-0 and 58-0. Like they, Some teams got up by 30 and just stopped trying to score. But the worst thing about that game was like we didn't give a single shit what Parramatta put on us after they got up by like 24. You watched Parramatta last night. They got towed by a better storm side. But, you know, the last minute, Dylan Brown saves a try for no reason. Whereas our boys are just letting him run all over us. And that was just the tip, the, the tip of the of this season. And we went through this podcast the whole year. We didn't want to make the finals. We wanted a line in the sand to be drawn. And I feel like ninth would have hurt the club less now. Because, like, if you come ninth, you can reason, oh, Wayne left us this, that happened, this happened, blah, blah, blah. No, we got fucking done 58 nil in the final. <laughs> That's think, no excuses. I remember when we talked about... Um, spoons like halfway through the season when we were in like the bottom three or whatever yeah. and because I've always like oh you know like as far as you want some change so you want some like not great things to happen yeah. but I was like I don't know if you ever want a spoon because that's something that's like then there forever like yeah. you know having arguments like banded with people or, yeah you know Broncos want a spoon and you can't give it as much to Knights fans for theirs but um, and this is a bit like this with this finals game is like that 58 nil is going to be there forever. Like that last one that we beat the record of was from like the forties or something. Yeah. Like that's, what so, the, that's the thing about, that's how bad this is all time rugby league and this is rugby league into the NRL. Like teams like Glebe and shit didn't lose by 58 in a final. Yeah. So like, I mean, it's, it's not great that that thing is going to be there forever. Like for all time, we are going to have the worst finals loss. But like it's so far, like early days as far as the off season goes. But there's a lot of talk about the changes that'll happen, and they're looking you know pretty positive really. So yeah, it just had to happen, I guess. Yeah, and I, and I think the 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 change is looking positive. And me and you are going to try. We've been trying. We have no other choice. Like again, Seabold's not going anywhere. We have no choice but to get behind him. But. I'm, there must be some way we didn't have full control this year. And the fact that it was already words out of the board meeting that he's getting full control next year, there must be something to that because there's just no way he went through all that bullshit this year of like saying Boyd is still playing well, McCulloch's good, everyone's good, all that bullshit publicly to then two days after the season tell him to fuck off. There's no way that he didn't want to fuck them off earlier, hey? Yeah, just like his press conference straight after 58 nil. So the minute the season was done, yeah. it was just a completely different tone to the rest of his press conferences all year. It just, and like we've said this before, you can't 
be like he he has to be some sort of a smart person to have got where he is and know what he's doing you can't be that person and watch this side and like yeah no boyd was sweet like you just can't do that so it just it there has to be something else at play there and you know fingers crossed for that like you and i obviously would love him to succeed because that means the broncos are doing well like we're not I'm not going to be here going. No, I don't want him to. Sick. No, I don't want him to do like terrible because he replaced Wayne Bennett. I was like, no, I like as far as I go, I just want the Broncos to do good first and foremost. Yes, you know that's, that's it. it. Yeah, and that's it. And it's like after that game, you was talking about how oh yeah, we haven't been tax been bad all year, saying all these things like you know we guys senior players didn't step up. It's like mate, you've avoided this we all know. year. We know, but he even said oh you guys have watched the games, you know what's wrong with us. And it's like ah, why have you been not telling us this? <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, he must have something else that because obviously the data, his mind didn't change the day the season ended. He obviously was looking to get rid of those guys earlier. So there has to be something else at play. Like, but, and I don't understand why whoever was making him play those players or if he was own decisions. I don't understand why they were doing that either. That's the thing that concerns me is like you hamstrung your own team the whole year for what benefit? Like, you, you know, punting Boyd like in round 14 is the easiest win of all time. It might have been hard on Darius, but the fan base would have been right behind the entire regime. Everyone would have been behind it. It was like the easiest for win sure. for the club. Yeah. Everyone's, yes, brilliant. But instead, they lied to us all year and kept playing for God knows what reason. Like Everyone would have got way behind those two things, punting him and punting McCulloch. But yeah, we'll see what happens in this offseason. The right things are being said right now. We'll see what goes in. We have no other choice but to get on board because, as we know, Seabold has four years plus a year option left still. He's not going anywhere this off-season. <laughs> you know, it's not happening. You've got to get on board, and hopefully if he gets more control. And again, I'll back him. If he, Even if he's an average coach, he knows more about recruitment and retention than Lockyer and Paul White do. That's just a bloody damn fact. So I'll back him in if he gets more control there. This is something I mentioned to you the other day too, is like, we've talked uh, sometimes how like, uh, some good, like really good coaches are able to coach no matter what players are in their squad. Yeah. And a lot of other coaches can only, like, coach well when they have, like, their squad, like, and, yeah. you know, maybe if it takes a year or two, like, in the, like this offseason and another one to kind of get, like, exactly what he wants, you know, it could work out well and, like, you know, maybe he coaches well for five, six years once he gets that. That's not the worst thing to happen either, like... You know, it's not having a coach like Bellamy that could coach with a bunch of, like, council workers and still get wins, but even, like, if... if that has to happen. Like that's not terrible either. Well, the hard, the worst thing about all of it is like you don't actually need to be a great coach to win at Brisbane because it's actually really easy to get players to come play for us because you get to play in front of thirty thousand plus every week. It's like people want to play for the Broncos. You hear it all the time. Every year in that players poll, they vote who which club would you want to play for the most outside of your club. Broncos win it every year, and it's usually like they get over fifty percent of the vote, and the next team's like twenty percent. They always win that vote. It's not hard to get people to come here. We have a great home record always. It's not hard. You don't need to be a half-decent coach to do it. It's just the fact that the other guys that aren't weighing have been goddamn awful. So hopefully Seapol just... If you're just okay, you can, you can go pretty well here. So hopefully yep. you control moving forward. But yeah, like this season, like make no doubt about it. That was the, what the, the t- this season deserved at the end was that loss because like it was already, as we know, Levin wins is already the second worst we've ever had in our history. It was the least points we'd scored since 1989, and we played less games. Like 89, it's a long time ago. It's like the it's our worst ever for and against. 
It was their fifth most points conceded. It was their lowest crowd averages since 2004. So well done, you know, apparently off-field genius Paul, Paul White. Like, Corey Oates scored his worst tri least tries as a winger ever. Like, it was a terrible season. And people thought once we had the finals, it was an okay year. So it's kind of like, thank God we got that finals game, hey. Because maybe things are going to change now. Because I was worried if we won a final, we'd cover our eyes and think we're, next year we're fine. Going the same bullshit. Yeah, well, we talked about that as well. It just seems very Dragons sort of style. And if you win a finals match, nothing. Yeah, nothing's wrong. Like, yeah, you nailed that earlier. Like, if, if we won this game, we could be just like last year's Dragons. Go back out next year, puff our chest chest out. We're great. Keep the same lot together and see what happens. And instead, within two days, we review thirty six players until half them to fuck off. <laughs> yep, all about that. Yeah. Uh, Nathan Chip twenty two. He said, "Not a season I would like to remember, unfortunately, but at least the record loss might set." might force some much-needed changes. I'd like to thank Mitch and Simo for the great pods this year. Cheers, fellas. Yeah, well, here's one thing is that uh, a few years with the, during the Wayne tenure, the off-season got boring because <laughs> there was no reason for us to be in the news. It's so, not going to happen now. No, we're going to be, in the, as you know, this week, and like, you could have forgot the finals were still going because we were in the news every day this week. Literally, I took screenshots of the Fox Sports front, front page NRL. Every single article you could see was Brisbane. That was one of the top 14 or whatever, all Brisbane. But anyway, it's it's coming, boys, because there's going to be talk about anybody and anyone over the next few weeks. I mean, Manly just got knocked out. The Eels just got knocked out. We are two days from Moses and DCE to the Broncos stories. <laughs> uh, uh, from Jay Grams, 23. Let's put things into perspective. Any club would kill for a finals belting to be the lowest point in their history. No, they wouldn't. If we can only get better, no, there has this has to be a good thing. No they, no, they wouldn't kill for that. That's just a lie. Like, because that doesn't happen. Again, it, I know it's really easy to say this with Melbourne. doesn't happen to them, mate. They're not killing that to be that. Like, yes, the scrub teams would like that to be their lowest point. We don't. We should not be comparing ourselves to the scrub teams. That's not where our bar is. Our, bar is we sh our comparables are the Roosters and the Storm. That's the bar we should be hitting. Not comparing ourselves. Well, the Knights fans would kill for this. They would. I don't want to be a fucking Knights fan. <laughs> if I wanted to be a Knights fan, I'd move to Newcastle. Exactly. I don't want to be a Knights fan. If I want to be a Knights fan, I'd support the Knights of the North, the Cowboys. Okay? But I'm not a Knights fan. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was funny too because before the finals, like after the, the top eight was settled and before the finals happened, everyone was like, you know, you'd much rather be like the Broncos, make the finals and get beaten than be like the Tigers and miss all out altogether. And then you get beaten 58 nil, and everyone's like, oh, I might reconsider that. Yes. Probably would prefer ninth. Exactly right. <laughs> that's, that, that's the thing, though. The Tigers had a fantastic season. Three and a half million in the reserve grade. Have a, the coach did a fantastic job. They scored more points than us, conceded less points than us, won the same amount of games we did. They just had, didn't have Nick Arima kick three field goal attempts against them. <laughs> that's just it. They, made that, <laughs> that's they, they beat us at Suncorp. They would not have lost like we did last week, but yeah. The thing is, you should not be comparing ourselves to those clubs. We just shouldn't. Because, as we know, there's bloody half the comps in that region. They are competing with each other every week. We have a free run in Brisbane. The bar we set, and the bar I'll continue to set, is Storm and Roosters and potentially Rabbitohs. That's the bar I want to set. I won't compare, I won't compare our, our performances to the Knights and them. Like Our peaks are their... Sorry, our troughs are their peaks, but that's just how it is. I don't want to be compared to them. 
Righto. Uh, speaking of Nicarima, this is from Mr. Underscore S Triple Eight. He said, 2019 had many low points, but surely the high point is flicking Nicarima and then him being so bitter he tried to kick a revenge field goal numerous times unsuccessfully, meaning the draw we eventually got kept the Tigers in ninth. Yes, that was quite good. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the other, other thing I really like this year too is like, remember when Sua signed for Souths? Yeah. And half the internet was laughing at Brisbane. Yeah, yeah, I and can't believe like, they let this guy and go. It's like, blah, Man, blah, you guys, blah. we've been telling you all his shit for years. You've all read the Sunnyville articles. And now, like, the last two weeks, South fans are like, what the fuck have we done? <laughs> like, people, he, he's terrible. People online were acting like he was Dave Fafita, we let go. Like, yeah. But, they, and we, yeah. But they somehow lost a trade when we picked up a reserve grade prop. They lost that. We got Reese Kennedy, and we're like, yeah, this is, this is all right, actually. Yeah, and he, uh, he played a reserve grade final yesterday, by the way, uh, Jaden Sewer did. And do you, his stats, by the way, Jaden Sewer reserve grade final, our good man, Jaden Sewer, missed seven tackles in the Reggies. They got done by 40. <laughs> <laughs> no, missed nine tackles. He got missed more. I checked it before, before the end of the time. Missed nine, the most missed tackles in the game, on the edge, as always. Hot garbage in a reserve grade final. Garbage in first grade. Has had all the opportunity in the world. That's great. And I guess... You said this to me this week too, Simo. I guess the one thing you can come out of it is that, like, when the season started, you looked at our squad, there was, like, eight players you'd happily dump. And Seaball's dumped all the ones he can already. Yeah, and that's what, when we've talked about this, is, like, and talking about, like, Seaball moving forward, is there's enough good decisions there that I'm interested to see what he could do, like, if he supposedly was being hamstrung by the board Mm. and, like, if he now has more control. There's definitely enough good decisions there that, is keeping me interested. Yeah, and perhaps um, perhaps that's why, if he's getting hamstrung this year by the board, perhaps that's why in press conferences, when he wasn't saying he made a decision, he was saying the club made a decision, perhaps it why, is why he was drawing that line, because perhaps he wasn't making the decisions he wanted to make. We don't know. Yeah. Uh, from Friday Night FB, he said, who would you rather have running a football club, uh, Paul White, Phil Gould, or Peter Parr? Uh, so people don't know, Peter Parr's up at the Cowboys. Um, Peter Parr had done a pretty good job until 2015, by the way. Is that the worst thing for him was, like, winning a comp? Because he, that team actually, like, he slowly built a pretty good team up there. Um, I, I mean, Phil Gould's three for, me, for mine. Yeah, Phil Gould is number three because if you've just seen, if you don't know if you've seen what's happening at Penrith now, nobody seems to be hammering because he's gas, but uh, it came out that they're paying, over the next four years, they're paying a million a season to players that are at Parramatta. <laughs> RCG and Wonga Blake, whoever else, but they're from, from Perra. That's how much they're paying for guys. I mean, to play that's, that's our Milford budget. So. Yeah, it is, and, that, and that's it. Uh, yeah, Guild did not do the amazing job people think he did at Penrith, and as we can see this year, they're still dealing with his crap. Uh, but also, the other problem with Guild is that he's in the media talking how amazing he is. Everyone's telling him how amazing he is and what a job he's doing. I'm not here for that. So he's last. Then uh, Paul White. Then Peter Parr, which is good for him to be number one in the in positions for me. Uh, never underscore trendy underscore. He said 2020 starting sides, including realistic buyers over the off season. I actually probably a bit hard to do. I can do this. I did this the other day, so I can do it. So this is like, if I can cut out the plays on the one Seabold doesn't want there already. And the ones also I don't want in the team. So I've cut out Matt Gillett. So the realistic buyers, I've gone Val Holmes at fullback, which is, you know, no shock with my words I said about him. No, hoping that he sees... He had a handshake agreement with the Cowboys, as we all know, but hoping he sees they've signed Scotty Drinkwater and goes, you know what, shove it, I'll go somewhere else. So him at fullback, the the two through five is pretty much the same. 
Oates on one wing, uh, Jermaine Asako on the other. But I'd like to see Jermaine and, and Holmes do a bit of switching at fullback, just like when Holmes was at the um, Sharks. A bit of switching and attack. So I'd like to see that. Uh, the centres, well, Birds are now apparently gone. So it's Stags and Parisi for me. The halves, uh, Milford and, and uh, Caesar is the other half I'm signing. Forward pack stays exactly the same, pretty much. Lodge, Haas, Fafida, Pangai, Joe at lock with Turpin at nine. I'd love to sign another lock, but I just don't think we, we, we can get that done as well as the fullback and the, and the seven. Uh, the bench then is Seguiaro, Flegler, Carrigan, and then whatever player he wants to be the utility. He seems to like a utility. I'm hoping not Shibasaki. So maybe, you know, you might see a Farmworth or a Coates or a Tessie Nui there. And then the, the extended bench guys are on the fringe for me. I mentioned one just then, so Coates, Farmworth, uh, Tessie Nui. Uh, the other guys hanging on the fringe for me would be Ethan Bullmore, who's at Norse Devils, who's a, who's a, he's a prop. He, he's looked pretty good this year for Norse Devils. Uh, Jamil Hopawadi, I think he is due a shortened first grade and he has been for a couple of years. He's been great. In, Redcliffe may have got knocked out in the finals again this year, but he works his goddamn ass off. And, you know, he had a prison stint, and that's the reason why he's not a first-grade footballer. But I think, for me, he'd actually be probably the guy I'd bring into my 17 instead of the utility next year. Uh, and then also, Corey Pakes, who they're working on as our next long-term hooker. He'll be on the fringe. He might see some games next year at, instead of Seguiaro, who knows. And then Kobe Hetherington's another one they've been working on for a while. Those, that's like my core group that I go ahead with. So that's those guys punted out. And it's actually not that much of change you think in your head getting rid of, you know, Boyd, McCulloch, Bird, Glenn, Gillett. In your head, you think that's a lot of change coming. But the fact that, like, those guys have been missing so much this year, you look at the 17, you're like, oh, actually, only looks like there's two different players. So it's, that's good. Yeah. Like, continuity is a good thing in rugby league. You know, the more of your squad you keep together, you generally win more the next year. And we can change those five players and still keep all the squad together bar two guys coming in pretty much, which is a good thing. Um, yeah, I don't really have much else to add to that. Yeah. Um, There's definitely something brewing this offseason. We don't know exactly who they're going for, but they keep every now and then... So we all know who Chris Gary is. He's, you know, a pretty good Broncos mouthpiece. And Pete Bedell's not as much of the Broncos mouthpiece as he used to be. He's a bit of a Wayne guy, so he says some things too. But they've dropped the, the term big name a couple of times. Big names in plural. They're definitely looking at something we don't know about currently. They're definitely talking to a, looking at a few players we don't know about. So there could be a splashes off season that's not in the homes or the Caesar or the Chad Townsend realm. There could be somebody else as well. Cooper Cronk and Cam oh, Smith get the band back together. Hey, oh yeah, what would you do? Like move Tara? You'd pay Tara Reid to be like a media girl too or something, right? Come up for sorry, Tara Rushton. Come up for a year and make Coops will steer the boys around. That's the dream. It's not going to happen, but it's like we want just one year Coops. <laughs> just one year. Mate, I would just buy him a private jet so he can fly down to Sydney after every training <laughs> session, fly up in the morning. Like, Well, that was the offer um, the Knights made to him, right? It was like, you can have to train like two days or something. Let's <laughs> do that offer. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'd probably want him around more if you're buying someone for their like off-field. Yeah. You know, you'd probably want them more than there than two days anyway. Yeah. Oh, but we're in Sydney half the year anyway, so, you know, it's all right. Um. <laughs> Uh, Billy Ace 99 he said cheers for the season fellas any plans for off season pods um, perhaps commentaries on old games or have episodes about specific seasons like you talked about midway through the year keen for next year thanks again we definitely need a break we both definitely need that but I do know over the off season we sometimes get a bit warm to do one so who knows yeah I mean uh, probably not before Christmas yeah but 
after Chris, I always get real keen after Christmas. You just like you're hanging out, you know, and my bangles are done by then. And yeah, and we like to. It's kind of our catch ups anyway. So we haven't talked in a while. We haven't podcasted. So who knows? Like, but yeah, there, there, no doubt. If there's big news, there's going to be a podcast. We've done that in the past. It just as you said, most off seasons never been big news. So we have done. May I think it's two off season podcasts we've done in the, in the last few years when news is broke, but. Yeah, if we do have a day when we sign Val Holmes or we sign Caesar or Townsend or Birds Departure is confirmed or whatever, there will be a podcast, no doubt. You right, Simo, or am I just talking out of my ass? <laughs> Rodeo. Uh we've got another uh, F Mary Kill question here. Um <laughs> <laughs> This is from Thursday Night FB. His first scenario is for Fita Haas Pango, which we already covered. Yeah, that one, yeah. Like, because, yeah. Uh, scenario <laughs> Scenario two is Seabold, White, and Nolan. Okay. I'm killing, I'm killing White. White. Yeah. Or, no, that's too harsh to say. No. Sorry, I'm not saying that. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know what you're going to say. It's I'm not like making a, that joke. It's like a Breaking Bad scenario. That's what you make. That's the joke you were going to make. Yeah, like, out. you know. Okay, next thing. Next thing. Anyway, uh, I would I would then marry Peter Nolan and fuck Seabold. Because whilst a recruitment guy can be in control, very very rarely are they solely in control, Peter Nolan's role. You can always, you can manage an average recruitment person. Yep, right. Sounds good. Uh, from N. Treadre, uh, uh, would you want the club to fire Seabold or do you think he can turn it around? Who, other than Wayne, would you want as a replacement? I think that's the thing. And I'm not one of those people talking about... I, I really do hate when fans say, oh, who else would you replace him with? People say that very often when they want to sack a coach. But I wouldn't sack him right now because all the, everyone else has got sacked. And actually, there is this small period now of like, well, there's no other leading candidate left. Because I'm not bringing Dimitri back. So, yeah. he. I think it's just, this doesn't help us to punt him right now. It just doesn't. Even though I'd love to see it. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy to sit another couple of years. Like, as we said, there's been positive signs, some, you know, with talk and some of the moves he's made. Well, so let's just see how it plans out. Yeah, exactly. He'll see this. He'll get his off season here, get a full off season, and then, you know, I'll probably know halfway through next year if I, if I really want him out. Like, you know, again, if someone like Bellamy wanted to come out to Brisbane, you kick anyone in the head to get him out, to get him in, or Trent Robinson, but that's pretty much it. Uh, right, from Denny Boy, nineteen ninety-five. He said, "Bigger shark, Jaws or Doyle in NFL fantasy?" Mate, turn it up! Like, <laughs> NFL fantasy. The only shark in that league is you, my friend. Currently, it is you. You, you and you did it to your own friend. That was hard. You killed a friend's season after one week. You took advantage <laughs> and ended his season after one week with a terrible trade. That's you, my friend. Uh, he's like the uh, JT equivalent for fantasy NFL fantasy. Yes. Yes, he is. He just took good advantage of, of the people around him, too. That was it. Just disgusting. <laughs> King Wally won. He said, thanks, lads, for the effort you put in, and a special F you to Anthony Seabold, Paul White, and Darius Boyd. Hopefully the leadership group are eradicated from this earth. Oh, man. My poor hard. friend Wally. I mean, he's, 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 not, he's not a happy Broncos fan at the best of times when we're losing, but he has been in existential crisis this offseason. Hey, the last week... <laughs> Uh, Check on him, people. If you want to go, if you want to open up with the Wally's DMs and get a Broncos and Seabold rant, he's your guy. If you're interested, <laughs> um, Liam Huxley, will Bron- Brisbane improve on this season or just get worse? We'll, uh, we'll improve. Like, 
you know, as we know, with the talent in this roster, it is pretty hard to, to not sit where they are. And they're going to ha- make some decent moves, it looks like. They'll improve. Uh, OG underscore 1886. Early prediction. Do things keep getting better or worse next year with Boyd at centre and Croft at seven? Keep up the good work, guys. Okay. Well, that contradicts the things I just said. If, <laughs> <laughs> if those are the moves we make, if we end up going into the offseason, like... And just letting all those players go, still keeping Gillett, making him a bench forward or something, and then signing Croft and Boyd. Sorry, signing Boyd at seven and keeping uh, sorry Croft at seven and keeping Boyd in the centres. We can indeed get worse. If we sign Brody Croft, I'll write off our next twelve to twenty-four months. <laughs> he's worse than Nick Arima. I asked that question early in the year. He's the only halfback in the competition I wouldn't have taken over Nick Arima, and that was him. Um, right, Corey goes. He said, what, what position will you hide Darius Boyd in next season? Redcliffe. Capris. Um, if we could send him there. Banish oh, him I would love, I would love the Capris so much. So I, yeah. Uh, what, Ciaran, how long will it take, how long will he, I am assuming Boyd, last in the centre's position next year? I give him four games. Yeah, I just, I just don't believe he's going to be playing there round one. I just can't believe it. I refuse to believe they're going to. He's playing for the club round one next year. But if he is, yeah, if you want to find a position, he's going to get found out in one on one defence. Like we saw the one time he had to try and tackle Jesse Ramian on the edge. Like we'll play the Roosters in the first four rounds, right? Like this is what happens. And I know it's not Latrell, but Joey Manu tears people up. It'll be him. Will ruin his life. Or we'll play the Storm. And whoever's at right centre there, be it Curtis Scott or Will Chambers, will ruin his life. And that'll be it. Yup. Uh, TC Gong. Can they really afford to keep Boyd? Another season of Boyd means another season of disappointment. Boyd, Bird, McCulloch all need to be moved on and use the money to buy a playmaker. Milford and Gillette not to be given a final notice to improve or move on. Yeah, look, um, as we know now, the, the Boyd situation now is only like six to 700k left. That's it. And... We spoke about scenarios on this podcast, you know, two months ago or whatever, and I said I'd be offering him, like, the retire now, give up the money, and we'll make you a club legend or you're never working for us again kind of thing. Like, like 600K, they could probably pay him that over two seasons or three seasons off off the field and off-field role and no one like that an eyelid. Like, surely you can get a way to get him off this off-season, get him to retire, and then get that money off the cap, surely. Um I think McCulloch's the type of player that another team, and it's he's one of those guys that right now, no one's looking at him, right? They're all looking at they're looking at other options. They want a better hooker. They want something. But in in two months, the team that's missed a few options, looking for some experience, whatever. That's when someone will look at Andrew McCulloch. I feel. Yeah. Uh, from Fulcher Road, he said, I actually think that Eels game was the best result for us. Um, he said finals record intact. I'm not quite sure what that means. But the authority also given to Seabold to clean out. Uh, this off season will be a big test for him. The signs, however, are not looking good with Boyd possibly moving to the centre. Yeah. That's, yeah. I'm just waiting on that one. It's just a weird thing for that to come out days after saying he's been told never wearing our jersey again. So... We'll see. Like maybe he's moving to centre in reserve grade, and those lines have been blurred. And I'm fine with that. You can try and earn your spot back. I don't begrudge him ever trying to earn his spot back. I don't think he can once he's out of that team. It's the centre of excellence down on the Gold Coast. Yeah. That's the centre. Oh, how funny! By the way, now other fans are saying, "Oh, you know, boy, just 
he just deserves the money. You know, what a mean club the Broncos are. You know, all these other fans saying it. Meanwhile, you've got other clubs. These people are like Tigers fans and Penrith fans and shit. It's like, at the Tigers, you, you want to hang Russell Packer and, and Josh Reynolds in the streets to get him off their deals. But oh, <laughs> but poor Darius. Oh, he deserves his money. He, oh, they owe him that money. He's like, oh, you don't give a shit about Darius Boyd. You don't like the Broncos. You couldn't give two shits what happened to Darius Boyd. Um, righto, lastly here from Happy underscore Khan. <laughs> Since the Broncos lost last week, I've been watching an anime about high school girls starting a band. Can anyone relate? Oh my God. <laughs> it, it is quite funny though. Hey, the Broncos getting knocked out. It's like, I got to like the weekend and I was like, so uh, what's the deal here? Like, I haven't got any anxiety about losing, but also I don't know what to do with my time now. <laughs> like, what, 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 what am I doing? <laughs> Oh, just three movies this since uh, Thursday. Three. Oh, do you have any to recommend? Not really. That's the problem. <laughs> We're going to recommend a station station before we finish up, but there's not no, not really. Um. Well, I kind of don't like doing these, but I'm, all my recommendations just end up being alcoholic beverages of sorts. Yeah, that's good. Are we doing that now? Are we going? In yeah, the- we'll do it now. Okay, sweet. Um. Mine at the moment, I found these just the other day, but it's called a Smooth and Sneaky. You can get it from Dan's, but it's like Bundaberg Creaming Soda and Rum, and it's tops. Bundaberg Creaming Soda and Rum. Rum. Yeah. It's like, they come in like half creaming a litre bottles. They come in like half a litre bottles. It costs like eight bucks. Like, it's expensive, but it's a good drink. Wow. There you go. Like, I couldn't imagine... Like I'm, I like all those things you're saying, but I couldn't imagine the creaming soda being good in there, but maybe it's just like the subtle. Oh, it's like... I posted one on Twitter like a week or so back, and I was like, oh, has anyone tried this? Yeah. And there was a surprising number of people that have all tried it, and they're like, yeah, this drink is actually really good. So, That's yeah, give it a go sometime. Okay, well, I've, I'll have uh, two recommendations there. My first recommendation is a book that I'm, I'm like at two chapters, or one right near the end of it. And I think it's been around on Twitter. I tweeted about it. Our good friend, Pyfag, NRL, tweeted about it. But it's Heartland, How Rugby League Explains Queensland, it's called. It's called. It's, I think I might have recommended this already. I might have done that. But read that. Um, it's about the, again, as it said, How Rugby League Explains Queensland by uh, Joe Gorman, a, a journalist who, you know, early 30s, but a... a, a a learned man, kind of like myself, a transplant from Queensland, living down here. But he goes to how again it's it's tied into the culture of being someone from Brisbane and Queensland and the country, or whatever. But it's one of the things you read through it, and it's brings some pride back. I'll say after what we're going through with Brisbane right now, it's a great time to read that because it it, it makes you remember like this team and this rugby league is more than a sport to this state, and it makes you have that thing in your head again of like people down south don't get this what's in this book they don't get what it means to us and they just don't and <laughs> that's a great yeah. read other recommendation uh, don't go to the movies on a weekend to see <laughs> a comedy during the day like like a, a more, more, more like a, comedy, a movie targeted that could also be targeted for teenagers don't do that because I did that and god damn why did I, <laughs> like, <laughs> I I went and saw I saw Good Boys yesterday which is like it's a couple of teenage uh, sorry like a 12, 13 year old boys it's about them, like, you know, as any of the coming-of-age movies we've all seen. It's made directed by Seth Rogen, whatever. There's a few, lots of sex jokes. and um, I've spent the last, like, until this year, I was living in Leichhardt in the inner city. And I usually know not to go to the movies that time when I lived in the suburbs. But when I was in Leichhardt and stuff, every time you go to the movies, it's like, because it's near the city, it's always busy. So there's never any shenanigans in the cinema. 
So this is the first time in the last <laughs> year. I go to the movies all the time, but the first time I went to like a kids or a teenage aimed comedy during the day on the weekend. And I walked in at like 12.30 yesterday and like immediately stepping in the cinema, I'm like, what the fuck have I done? <laughs> like you already see uh, too many armrests up, like too yeah. many boys and girls cuddling and the, the, the weird giggling and stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, what have I done? And I'm like, where can I sit? There's nowhere to sit. I went sat like right in the back corner as far away as I could from any of them, but like in like almost in the disabled seating thing. But there was still there was some kids like a row in front of me and a few seats down. And they were giving, they were looking at me every like five ten minutes, like looking back, like if I'm I'm not watching your shit. Okay? I don't want to see you hook up. <laughs> but then I realised like God, I'm that guy now. I'm the old man at the back of the cinema. That people think I'm gonna rat them out. Ring, ring the ring the cinema. But yeah, there was way more sexual discovery and gross debauchery going on in the seats in front of me than there was on the screen in front. And this, it's just the noisy simo then. <laughs> It's like, oh, that's what I can do without. Just, uh, and the, the how they become... It's like... Uh, kind of like if you see two things fall over and lean on each other. You know? It's like they were holding... They were also intertwined and leaned. It was like they were lying on each other to stay upright. They were so... So deep and mixed in together. Just disgusting. These well, children. you did it. You found the only thing more disgusting than the Broncos season. Yeah. Oh, it was a great way to end my year, wasn't it? I was just sitting in that cinema. And I didn't enjoy the movie at all because of that. I just, I just, uh, I couldn't concentrate on it. There were some funny moments, but I just too much things going on around me, and I'm like, uh, I just, uh, I, I should have walked out and just gone back to the counter. Like, look, I haven't got a problem with the cinema. It's my fault. I shouldn't have bought the ticket. What's going on in there? That's what happens in there. Can I just get like, I don't want a refund, but I get like a voucher to see this ticket again, like movie a different time. I should have done that. Oh, there's my recommendations. But that's it. I think that's that's just that's us done, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think we covered everything we want to. That's it. So we may or may not see you again. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully it's in a better light next time you hear from us. Hopefully it's good news, not, you know, confirmation of Boyd captaincy rolling around again. Hopefully we come back with good news. Oh, I can't wait for that. Hopefully it's not the Brody Croft announcement podcast. That's, that's oh, yeah, that, that'll be a, that'll be a good one. I'm just begging that we're not that dumb. We were smart enough to pull an off offer from Riley Jacks last year. I'm begging we're not that dumb. I bet you we are. Well, my my real concern is that I think Seawald might have worked with him. That's my real big concern. I'm worried because, you know, he was down in Melbourne, obviously, when Seawald was there. But also when Seawald was like the Queen's under-20s coach, they might have worked together. I'm really scared of that. Let's just hope it... Let's just not talk about it again. I hope it doesn't happen. Yeah, <laughs> sounds good. Right okay. See ya. Anyway, thanks for listening for another year, people, by the way. Listening to our misery. Yeah. Cheers. We'll see you next time. See ya. That's the way it's gonna be